Welcome guys to another episode of the Christian Buddy Show. Glad you are here. Please do not forget to follow my Instagram. It is my health motivator. And for that matter, if you would like to be a guest on the show to promote anything, a business, a book, an idea, anything, send me a DM, send me a message. I'm happy to answer those messages and happy to have you on the show. Speaking of books, my next guest coming up, Jerry Zare, has recently written The Peacemaker's Path, coming out on August the 24th. And we'll, we're going to be discussing that amongst other things in today's podcast. So grab a cup of tea, grab a green tea, grab a coffee, make yourself feel at home, listen to the podcast. Hit the sub, hit the like, hit the comment, drop a donut, whatever you want to drop. I'm all cool with that. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. Let's get into it. Welcome, Jerry, to the podcast. How are you feeling? Oh, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on and uh, all your listeners. Not a problem. So here at the Christian Buddy Show, we are a little bit controversial. So I'm going to hit that, send out the first controversial question. What is your opinion of homosexuality and why is there such a backlash in the Christian community? Well, it's interesting because uh, having been uh, a minister in the Christian tradition for 35 years, um, and before that, I worked professionally in theater and entertainment business out in L.A. So I had gay friends, um, and, and as I came into the ministry, I was taken back by uh, the kind of the homophobia that there was. And as I really started studying uh, with the scriptures, it's interesting because I would say to people, um, do you know what Jesus said about homosexuality? And they'd say, no. And I'd go, that's because he didn't say a thing about it. Um, in reality, um, the translation for homosexuality uh, that was from the Greek uh, was translated into English finally in about 1850, um, and, and the translation became the word homosexuality. Before that, the Greek translation meant older men with boys. It was, it was about, in those days, um, you know, you had, uh, in Greece, there was, uh, just sexuality was rampant, all types of things. And sometimes young boys, they were so poor, they would sell themselves as prostitutes, or older men would have boy toys. And so it was the exploitation of that that really was what was being spoken about. Um, and and if you um, go and, and find the Greek translation and then f understand what those words mean, that will help you understand that better. Okay. So I understand the saying now, the Greeks invented sex and the Italians introduced it to women. So I think I think that kind of makes 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 a little bit more sense. And... Kind of on the theme of this controversial questioning, I've got one more lined up, and I want to get your opinions on abortion. What are your opinions on abortion? Well, you know, I think abortion is, is a, a difficult issue, and and it's like anything that people can use scriptures to justify uh, their beliefs, and and it's the challenge. As I've studied all the world religions, I've been involved in interfaith work. Um, it's like always somebody always says, like, I take the Bible literally word for word uh, and, and you have to believe what it says, meaning you have to believe what they say, because the reality is nobody takes the Bible literally. You, you can't do that. If you took the Bible literally, um, you would pluck out one eye if you lusted after a woman. Uh, women would still have coverings over the head. 
Uh, we'd have slaves. You know, there are a lot of things that you have to take of the culture and of the time. Now, saying that, everybody has a point of view. And, and when you say this was Jesus's point of view on that, it's very hard for us to understand because we don't actually know what Jesus said. We have four writers of the Gospels who wrote 30 years later after his death and resurrection. They wrote about what they remembered Jesus telling them and how and what they expressed it. That's why you see some differences in scriptures from Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, because they're uh, these are the writers of these remember things a little differently. So some of the same stories that Jesus told have a little different slant with each one. So that saying, there is no absolute about abortion. I mean, you know, I think each person has a right to their point of view, but I would challenge anybody to say, if you believe in pro-choice and then you don't serve them communion, or you say they're not a Christian because they have a different point of view than you, I'm always like, gee, I'm glad you know the mind of God because I don't know the mind of God, right? And um, and that I think we need to learn to value each person and respect them. And I realize abortions are hard. Some people are hardliners. They're like, you know, because they because they believe it's it's life at the beginning of life, and some believe you know it comes at a later time, Um, which is a it's a very there's no easy answer. There's no, yeah, there's definitely no easy answer to that question. And uh, yeah, recently I was, before lockdown, I was in the city and I was approached by some, some lovely people who, who, who were trying to explain the scientific, the science behind abortion and, and they were totally, they were against the abortion option and they were explaining that the fetus gains life at a certain time. And yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a really complicated question. And if I'm to if I'm to kind of, I guess, yeah, it's I, I don't want to try and go down that rabbit hole on today's podcast because today's podcast is is about um is about your book. You're you're recently bringing up your book. Um, do, did you want to just maybe give a brief? Uh, what wh- what is your book about and um about to the audience? Yeah, yeah, but and and let me just come back for the abortion because you know I think that okay. this is exactly. This issue is another issue of where we see the polarization in our society. If people are on one side and then the other, rather than listening and respecting and valuing. For I think as a Christian, Jesus said over and over again, not to judge another, but to love another. And so we are to to bring in the more unity and, and healing we can have in our country is when we listen and understand. Because I've never walked down somebody's path, especially as a man. I think it's very hard for me to be a judgmental That's on right. a woman. I don't know her journey, and and I don't know where she is on that. And so um, I think uh, even as a minister, I, I think ministers uh, who get very judgmental think like they can make these absolute truths are um, are not coming with a sense of humility and, and a sense of respect of each other. Um, so as so to say, my book is called The Peacemaker's Path, Multi-Faith Reflections to Deepen Your Spirituality. And, and the reason why I wrote this book was uh, because of the polarization in our society, in the misconceptions, the way people look at others, somebody who's Muslim or somebody who's Baha'i or Sikh, who's a different faith. And, and 
you know, we have this kind of competition within us that we always want to be, I'm better than you. I, you know, I'm right and you're wrong. Um, and, and that makes me feel important and feel special because if my beliefs are, this is what I believe, then they must be right. And how can you have a different point of view than me and be right too? When in reality, I think we can both be right. We have different ways of our expressions, part of our journey. But what I have found is there are core teachings in all of our major religions that we, um, that there, there are the teachings of Jesus, the core teachings of Jesus are in the Quran, they're in the Baha'i, in the Sikh scriptures, Buddhist teachings, and Hindu. So I wrote this book taking six themes that are in all of our world religions, and I have written a, a daily reflection, and then I take the scriptures from these different uh, world religions that kind of enlighten that theme that I'm speaking about. And then there's a prayer from a, a faith leader and some questions to reflect on. The idea is many of us haven't read the Quran, haven't read the Baha'i, haven't read the Sikh scriptures, but once we start to read those, we see, oh, you mean Muslims talk about loving your enemies? And uh, the teachings of Buddha are very similar to the teachings of Jesus. Then we start to have a sense of respect of one another and find we have so much more in common than what divides us. Okay. So it sounds like you have cross-pollinated all these different teachings and you've kind of brought it together to one so I guess the next question is, why should I become enlightened? Why should I go down this pathway of spiritual awakening? Or for that matter, why should anybody go down this pathway of spiritual awakening? Well, I mean, I think you're right. I think it's uh, there are some people who don't acknowledge anything of spirituality. You know, they just think it's all science. I would suggest there's mystery in life. There is a deeper part of us, a yearning within us. Um, what words do you use? You know, we can, we can talk about that, but, but I have found that, uh, there is an awakening to my consciousness, to listening to that within, uh, some people speak about the divine within, some people speak about the love within. Um, I think it's more, you know, we use words about being mindful, being present in the moment. Um, those are all expressions that come out of whether it's Buddhism or Hinduism or some of Jesus's teachings in Christianity, but but they are ways of getting ourselves connected, I think, with ourselves, the earth, the universe. Because for me, and I think we know in physics, there's energy cannot be destroyed. Energy is manifested. All plants and animals have some sense of essence to them. And there's a connection. I mean, you know, when I come home, my cats are there waiting for me to come home. I mean, they, they come to the door when my wife comes home 10 minutes before she comes home. I mean, th there's, there's something that transcends material for me. Yeah. And I think it's awakening and connecting with that, uh, that this book is trying to help us do. Because the wonderful thing about it is I didn't write a book of theology. Nobody would read that. This, this is 40 days, so each day you can take a reflection, 15 minutes to read the reflection, reflect on the scriptures, 
uh, kind of open your mind to a new thought, a new concept um, that might help you um, open up to new questions and insights for the for your life. New insights for your life. Okay. Okay, and it's interesting that you mentioned the 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 idea of God and 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 your cats knowing when you were going to get home because there's been a few incidents. I'd like to share a few few experiences in my life where things have things have gone uh, there's a lot of coincidental uh, events that happen and you can't really explain so for example one of the events was I lost my key to my, my uh, swipe key to my apartment and uh, I thought well how am I going to get back in you know I can't get back in and all of a sudden a person comes out and they happen to live on the same the same level on my apartment. So there's eight levels. They happen to live live on level two. And they gave me the swipe key and, and I was able to get in. And some could argue that was a, a, a sheer stroke of coincidence. Uh, the sign, you know, but I mean, the, the, I think there's, yeah, there's, there's just, there's so many events that happen in our life that can't be explained through, it's difficult to explain through the rational mind, through the scientific mind. It, it's, it's only open to interpretation through through God, through through the spiritual, through the unknown, through yeah, as you were speaking before. Well, and and you know, I have a a, a more progressive understanding of God. The traditional way when I grew up was God was a being out there judging us, um, doing something. And I don't see God as a being. God is spirit. God is present of the universe and present in everything. So some would maybe say a higher consciousness, a higher power presence. But let me give you an example of this happened for me that is even more, I think, uh, dramatic. I was had cataract surgery when I was young. This was 30 years ago. Uh, back in those days, it was a lot more difficult. And I was young, which meant that the, the eye uh, was not hard. Like in older people, it's easy to cut into is jelly shape. And so when the doctor did it, he didn't get all the cataract out. He thought it would flush out. So I'm at home, and the 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 piece of the cataract blocked my tear duct. So now I'm having pressure in my eye. I'm starting to throw up. I'm starting to get dizzy. My wife is out on the, oh, maybe 25 minutes away, some other direction. And she has a sense, I must go home. She literally mm -hmm. turns her car around, comes home. I'm throwing up, I'm, you know, if, if I hadn't got to a doctor, my eye would have hemorrhaged, I maybe would have died, right? Yeah. And because she was listening enough in tune to that connection that we had, um, she took me to the emergency room, uh, that was fine, you know, I was, I was fine. And, and that began me thinking about the sense of our connection with people, and with with the world and that and that energy that we connect with that you can't explain scientifically but there's metaphysical and there's too many of those things now do i don't think life is predestined some people say say thing all things are um you know all things are planned you know uh, it all has a reason like oh you got hit by a car god has a reason for it well i don't believe that i don't think God makes bad things happen to, to people. I mean, 
you know, you can make shit, you can make bad decisions in life, and bad you things can do make happen. bad decisions. Yeah. And if you're drinking and you go out driving, yes, you know, uh, or some or some terrible freak thing can happen. So I don't believe it's so much that everything has a a reason, but you can make you can make something good and meaningful out of those things in our life. You can choose either to become cynical and bitter, or you can choose to be open, you know, and progressive. But that's that spirit within, the spirit of love, the power of people bringing together. Um, and that, you know, when I'm with people who come from different faith traditions, who have that respect for each other, there's a powerful energy. And when I'm with people who are very narrow-minded, very judgmental of other people, very, look down on other people of other faiths, or maybe even people who don't have a faith, and people are atheists or agnostics, and they and they look very down. And there's such a negative energy that you you can feel that, you know, you can experience that. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that the agnostic uh, community or the atheist community, and there's nothing. I'm not saying anything bad against this community, but I, I had one incident where I posted a, a video on YouTube about God. I just I had my beliefs. I, I I believe in God, and I was condemned. I was con I, I a lot of um, but all through the rational minds, like they were they were they were paraphrasing and they were picking the exact words that I was saying, and I couldn't really defend myself because it was all through comments. It wasn't face to face. It, I couldn't physically see the person, or so it was a bit of a blindside attack. But um, it's just interesting that, yeah, like you mentioned, there's a different energy. There's, there's a, there's a closed-mindedness. There's a narrow-mindedness. And, and it's interesting why that is. I, I can't understand. The, the mind should be open. Otherwise, you can't receive information. Right. Yeah. And, and so, you know, that was the whole thing about having uh, the peacemaker's path, multi-faith reflections to deepen your spirituality because it, it's to help people open them up uh, to a new questions and understandings on those. Uh, I love like Richard Rohr, who, who actually is a, a Catholic monk, but he, he made a statement that I use. He said, when you love something, you give it soul. Wow, I thought, now that's in very interesting because sometimes we always think of soul as an entity, as an, you know, but when you love something, you give it soul. There's something about the energy of love that's transforming. Um, and I just think it's been unfortunate because a lot of the um, conservative or, or evangelical Christians who've come out so hard against like homosexuals or people who were pro-choice or pro-life, you know, they, they just drove, I think, a lot of people away from even thinking of spirituality because it's like, well, if that's what that, if that's what it means to be a Christian or believe in God, I want none of it, right? And so I always say, uh, don't don't blame God because people use religion uh, as a battering ram because those people would use, if they didn't use religion, they'd use something else to beat somebody up, you know? Yeah, it's, you, you, it's a, a lose-lose situation. You, you can never win with these people. So, yeah, I guess it's a, it's a difficult one to to think about. And... I guess the title of the the, the 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 title of the video or the podcast is "What are you willing to sell your soul for?" And I guess that's a good question to ask. 
what what are you willing to sell your soul for? Well, you know, it's interesting because when I uh, was in the entertainment business out in L.A., um, and I was 23, naive, going to, you know, make my fame and fortune, um, that was the question that was being confronted with me because I could, I could go to these parties. Um, cocaine was strong. Um, I, I had an opportunity where I was getting some headshots done for resume. And the guy said, look, just take off your, uh, take off your clothes and let me take some shots and I'll give you a hundred dollars. Well, a hundred dollars back in 1978 was a lot of money. And, and, you know, it, it was, gosh, you know, you had opportunities to do things to promote yourself and, and, and yet you sold your soul sometimes for fame or fortune or what you did. And so my novel blurring the lines was all about my experience in that. But, but I think that's, that, that's a question um, many of us have to deal with. I, I had a friend who was um, with a potato chip company and he went to the grocery stores and they would give the poke, the, the uh, a grocery store manager money under the table to promote his potato brand and put it in right placement, you know? Now it was illegal to do that, but it just was something they all did. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Actually, he felt, you know, he, he felt bad about it because it was, it wasn't straight up honest. And he ended up leaving that company and that grocery chain got busted for doing that with a number of others uh, later. So, you know, it, it just is interesting um, how, you know, people start off maybe, um, but certain temptations, it's very easy to get seduced by fame, power, money, whatever. It is a very attractive pearl. Uh, I don't know what what word to use, but it's yeah, it's very it's a, it's alluring, and yeah, most you see the you, you see the old stereotypical celebrity or actor they 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 rise to fame, and then all of a sudden they 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 start going to all these parties, and things get out of hands, and then next minute, Britney Spears, you know, I mean, I don't know, she's kind of she went off the rails for a, for a stage there, so. I think um, it's very difficult to to turn down those distractions, those um, those temptations. It's life. very, and, and in fact, I think over in your country, uh, Hillsong is a very big church over there, right? Hillsong, uh, I'm not familiar. Yeah, uh, Hillsong is, uh, and the pastors, uh, a couple of the pastors got busted because they were using all the money. Uh, in the church for all their side things and uh, uh, girlfriends and other things, you know, they, they lost their way. Uh, it isn't, you know, it can be religious leaders. I mean, it's, it's, it is very difficult and, you know, we're human beings. So we all fall short. We all make mistakes. Um, it's part of the journey, but, but certainly um, I think that's the challenge is the more grounded the more centered we are, uh, the more we know who we are and, and live by our own core values and not the world values. Um, you know, famous seducing. I mean, that's why when I went to LA, I mean, it, it was all about me. It was all about, I'm going to become famous. I'm going to become this. And then I found out it was very empty. It was very superficial. And, and so, you know, I left, I mean, I, I was out drinking and partying every night, and I remembered I, I could see myself just 
like a lot of other people did five years from now, I, you know, I'd be bummed. I'd be wiped out, you know, I'd be dead. So I, yeah. I got out and uh, I, I wanted to get a different environment, a different lifestyle, different people around me. And, and then I came to find out um, that the people who all were famous and had a lot of money, what they really wanted was what so many of us who just have lives we, with family and, and some solid friends, you know? And yeah. so it's, uh, it's tough. It's tough. It's interesting because you mentioned before we started the show, you mentioned you talked about Joe Hashem, the the world famous poker player from Australia. Actually, I went to primary school with his with his son Anthony Hashem. So it's interesting that you you have a connection or you know you know him. So well, I yeah, was- I, I you know it's kind of interesting as a minister. You don't think of ministers playing in the World Series of poker, you know. Uh, and, and, and there are some people in the Christian tradition who said uh, you shouldn't be playing poker because it's gambling and and that's a sin. And I said, show me in the Bible where it says you can't play poker. You know, my philosophy always about gambling was uh, as long as you do it uh, within what you can afford. If you know that I'm going to go to Las Vegas or I'm going to go to a casino and I'm going to spend two hundred dollars on slots or craps and I can afford $200, then I see it as entertainment, it's okay. You're not gonna become rich. They don't build these big casinos because people win at blackjack. Those games are all carnival games at rig. Now, poker is different because there's no edge on the house. You're playing against other people. And I, yeah. I was a state champion um, in high school in chess. So I like the competitiveness and, and the detail, but what I found is over the years, as I was playing in poker tournaments and I played with uh, Joe Hashem and, and actually his uh, coach, Jamie Glazier, um, I, I solicited some time with him to help me on my game. But uh, what you find, poker players are like anybody else. They make a lot of money, but you see a lot of poker players who go bust because they go into the casino after the poker tournament and they play the slots or they play craps or they do something else and they, right. and they lose the money on all the other things, not on poker, but on other things. Right. Yeah, so there's no, yeah, the there's, there's, hard. yeah, there's no focus. Yeah. Okay. And you mentioned something interesting there. You mentioned chess. Did you say you're a state champion at chess? Uh, I, I was in high school way back long time ago. Yeah. Right. I and the reason I guess I brought that up is because I'm a bit of a chess player, not a very good one, but I'm curious to find out if you have a favorite opening or a favorite sequence of moves or anything. You know, I I haven't played chess since my high school days. I I quit playing. I I I don't even know if I could even go through that with you anymore. Yeah. No worries. Well, yeah. I thought I'd give a shout out to the London opening. I know. Um. I, I think uh, Magnus Carlsen, he's the he's the current world champion, I believe, Magnus Carlsen. So, yeah, he's uh, he's a phenomenon, a phenomenal player to watch. So, uh, yeah, thought I'd just put that in. But um, so, what is the over there in Australia? What is the sense of um, spirituality or opening to um, to that beyond? Uh, are are people open to that, or are more people turned off to it? You think? 
I want to say that most people are good people. Most people that you meet on the street are friendly. If you if you say hello to them, they'll say hello to you back. And I think there is a sense. I don't know. I think most. It's it's very hard to to expand on that question, but I want to say that most people are spiritual, and that's probably my optimistic view of life. And yeah, that's to answer your question. I'd say that most people have that spiritual belief. I think that there's a movement within the United States where people are saying they're not religious, but they're spiritual. They're they're not tied down to a certain uh, church doctrine or dogma um, or denomination, you know, certain church, but, but they, they value, they see, you know, Gallup poll still says uh, 90% of the people in the United States believe in God in some way and even 80% pray, but you know, it's a very 30% maybe go to a church or a faith community. Um, but I do think that uh, that's why I've been so committed to helping people build relationships between each other of our faith traditions, because um, I think people see the value. And once they learn about people, um, there's such a, a powerful um, dynamic that happens. A good example, I, there was a Jewish temple here in where I live in Carmel, Indiana, and there were swastikas spray painted on the temple. And that was on a Thursday night. And through social media, we came together and it was on a Monday night. There was this, this temple could only seat 450 people. There was almost a thousand people who joined together in solidarity uh, with those people joining together. Some who the, the place was full inside people on the outside and that they joined together to say, we stand together with you, even though we aren't Jewish, we are one in humanity. And the power of that was, was so rich. And then when they found, you know, they, 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 because they had security cameras, they, They've tracked the guy. They they found who it was. It was this 18-year-old kid who uh, and his girlfriend who motivated him. He had all the swastikas and all the you know stuff in, in his house. And he just, I mean, he really doesn't understand. He just felt like the Jews are taking over and I wanna I wanna put fear in him. So he ends up going to prison because it's a hate crime. 18, his life is now ruined. And all these good things that came from that one act, positive things that came. And I wanted, I really wanted to go and say to him, if you knew what happened, would you still do that? If, you know, and and I really believe he'd probably go, you know, that was kind of stupid, really. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, there are some, there are some outliers. I guess there are some people that just have no rational comment or just common sense for other other people. And I guess, yeah, the perception of I feel like there's a lot of anger in um, in the United States. I mean, I could be wrong on this, but I feel like people are really angry. And I know that I can't speak too much into this. I'm not an expert, but because of the the, the Constitution, because of the gun laws. People get angry. What's 
the, the first thing that they turn to, they've got a gun in there. They've got a gun in their in their house. And I know it's an oversimplistic view, and I know that there's other arguments for this, but I guess the question is, why are people so angry? I mean, right. Well, I th- I think, and it's not just happening in the United States. It happened in Britain. It's going on in right. India yeah. right now. So what what I think is going on, and that's why we talk, we see this polarization is, as we become a, a global community, in a positive way, we see, oh, the white man is not the most dominant any longer. We are not, you know, now we have people of other races, people of women in positions of power and authority. And so the white male in the United States, at least, and I, and I say in Britain and Europe, you know, feel very threatened. Like somehow I'm going to lose my power, my influence. Um, and, and, and that's not even true because nobody can take your power away from you. Your power is within you. But, but that's the perception that somehow somebody else is going to take my job. You know, those, those people are coming from Mexico are going to take my job. When in reality, um, we can't even get people, you know, if it isn't for illegal immigrants in this country uh, who, do, who are doing jobs that a lot of people won't even do. But, but more, you, you're seeing people, um, white men especially, who are, are frustrated and angry because they feel like their voice isn't being heard. You know, that that the liberal, the progressives are growing and it's becoming that. And so they're feeling frustrated. Now, what I would say is there's need to be value to listen to one another. You know, I have friends who voted for Trump. I didn't vote for Trump, but but they were not just crazy people. There were some crazy people, but these were some people who weren't racist, weren't bigoted, but they had certain points of reason that they voted for Trump. And I wanted to listen to it. I wanted to hear their reasoning rather than just judge them and block them into a whole group of crazy people, you know. And and that's what happens then when when people who are extreme on the conservative side say they see all liberals as these bleeding socialists. Well, that's not even true either. And so that's what's happened is, and I think some of it's been the media, talk radio. Um, they love to perpetuate controversy, uh, div- division, um, you know, they want something to people watch. And, and so it always has to have an edge. And, and if you see people getting along and feeling like it's kumbaya, well, nobody wants that. You know, we, we want to see blood and guts. Yeah. <laughs> and unfortunately, with the media as, as now with social media we have, I mean, you're, you're just overwhelmed with, uh, with, all those different voices. And it's a challenge to put some of that out um, to, to get some clarity for yourself and be aware of what you're letting in. Does that make sense? Yes, kind of. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it sounds like a, a messy and complicated topic to, to discuss. But you, you mentioned something there, the, the concept of the white man losing power. And I feel like this is such a dogmatic concept. This is such a, um, uh, a an ape, an ape-like, a tribal-like concept that, as as humans, we should evolve through. We should. I mean, for me, I'm, I'm a white male, but I I don't see color. I see I see energy. I see I see people's see, I see people's energy, and if you're a good person, you you speak the truth. You 
you work hard, you you develop yourself. Hey, I'm going to be friends with you. I'm, I'm going to try and get to know you because you're you're on a similar level to me. But if we, yeah, like that that concept that we're stuck in our skin, this is just a temporary. For me, this is just a temporary experience. I'm going to be dead one day. This this skin is just holding me together. This is just the glue. It's it does it shouldn't separate. It shouldn't separate people into tribes. It shouldn't. We should all be one, right? I mean. Well, we should, but you have to realize you you are an enlightened person. You are a person who's been open uh, to seeing that where some people, education is part of it. You know, if you grow up in a certain area your whole life, I grew up in a very conservative church, Amish Mennonite, growing up in that way. I left that, but I still have family who are in little towns in Indiana and they have a very narrow point of view because they've never been exposed to a gay person, to a Muslim, to a Jew, to uh, somebody from another country. I mean, you know, when you live in a small town, that's your worldview. And so it, it just is part of who they are. Now, I, I think you're right that some of the white male um, issue is a generational thing. The younger, like anybody over under 40, homosexuality isn't even really an issue for them. You know, that's like a no-brainer. But people over 40 generationally are dealing with that or a lot of men are dealing with that. So um, we have these white supremacist groups. And I don't know if you have any. Do you we have any do. white supremacist yeah, groups? Yeah, we, we, well, I've seen them on the news. Yes, we, we, do, we do have them, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, because they're people who, one, They've taught their children a certain way. They've, they've indoctrined their children mm -hmm. and they grow up and they set such a hard mindset. But, you know, it's powerful when I've heard stories of somebody who was a KKK member and then was befriended by this black minister and, and he actually helped him and they became friends. You know, once you, you broke out of that mold and got out, the heart can change. Love is, love is powerful and, and love... Yeah. You know, love, I think, wins uh, over hatred always yeah. in the end. Yeah. But but I think, you know, I think that's what's I, I do think that's what's going on. And, and, and that's why I wanted people, I think if they read the book on Kindle or they'll have it on uh, it's a hardback. Uh, it comes out August 24th. So people can pre-order it now and get the book then. Um, but. I, what I think will be is that um, as they as they have a better understanding, they can then help their other friends who maybe uh, deal with it. I I have a lot of friends who they're Christian and they go, you know, but I have I have a relative who says, well, you know, you're going to go to hell if you aren't if you don't believe in Jesus. And and how do I respond to them? You know. How do I deal with that? Because truly, I believe Jesus, if you look at the teaching of Jesus about loving your neighbor, uh, the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the poor. I mean, he he gives us this language of, uh, of caring for the foreigner, making hospitality for the stranger. Um, and but, you know, we we want to. Sometimes we want to make it that my belief is right and you're wrong because that makes me feel better. And and yeah, the reality. But, 
Can mm-hmm. I just can I just point? Sorry, sorry to cut in there. Can I just no, point please. out? Can I just point in the flaw of that of that mindset? That so if if you're a person in that mindset that I'm right, you're wrong. I'm gonna take it back to chess, right? Because when I was starting out in chess, there's a there's a very high chance that you're going to be wrong. Very very high chance. Even if you're a good player, you can still make a mistake. So for that for that person to think that hey everything I do is right is a false. Mm, it's maybe more of an ego- egotistical claim. Uh, I think in, you that person maybe hasn't done enough self reflection or, or 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 been been in the in the circumstance where they've been proven wrong because I mean it hurts to be proven wrong. I mean it all no one likes to be shamed and but I mean. It's it's very difficult to be right. It, it's to be right is very difficult as well. It's not it's not easy to be right. So yeah, I guess what I'm trying to say is you need to see life on both sides of the spectrum. Well, and and I think that that's the challenge, isn't it? To hold our beliefs that we have, but be open that I might let go yeah. of some things. I might take something new. Now that's hard because some people just want tell me what to believe. You know, yeah. They, to the minister or, or the rabbi, tell me what to believe, and I can believe this. You know, boom, 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 and then I don't have to think about it. It's kind of like, <laughs> you know, my wife says I I don't have many choices of clothes. She loves to have all these choices. I like have two pairs of jeans, two pairs of shoes. I don't want to think about that because I don't want to think about clothes so much. And and so I get it. You know, with clothes, I'm the same way. I don't want to broaden my point of view. Because I don't really have any, um, I'm not good at it, and and I and I don't see see the world with those lenses. So, I mean, I think we can even we can understand people who have a certain point of view, and and I could say that's okay, you know. And, and your point of view is totally different, and you think I'm going to go to hell, and that's okay. I'm still going to love you, you know. I'm still going to love you, and and I and I'm not going to take it personally. And I think the more that we can can be open and ask questions. Um, we don't always have to have the answers. And I think a lot of times we don't have all the answers. But I, I encourage, I love people to read what you're doing with engaging guests to think and reflect on maybe where they were, where they grew up. Do they believe the same things they did now? What are they holding on to? Are there some things in the past that they still hold on to that they need to let go of. Um, maybe there's some shame and guilt from something in their past that they still feel guilty about, and they need to realize that they can let go of that now um, and live into their own potential and their fullness of life. Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah, you, t- you touched on an important topic there, which is to, I guess, to love others even when they're sending hate to you and that's a, i think that is a that is a, the test or the sign of a true powerful person if you can love somebody that sends hate to you i mean that's not easy to do it sounds easier than what it is but it's it's definitely because as i think as humans we like to hold grudges and we we naturally hold grudge and we naturally uh, we resent i don't know what it is but uh, we just yeah we we some of our brain or our consciousness is just wired that way. I don't know. Yeah, it, it is part. It's part of our our animalistic, you know, our primal fight or flight. 
and and when you get wounded, you know, emotionally, I mean, it hurts. And so part of us wants to strike out to hurt you back, you know, eye for an eye, you know, and right. and and yet we know that if we do eye for an eye, we all just become blind. And uh, you know, and the world, I mean, it, it's never going to bring hope and healing to the world. Uh, yelling at another and screaming at another because they're terrible. That's why protests where people are yelling, I don't think do a lot of good. It just shuts people down. Talking, dialoguing, building relationships changes people's hearts, right? So like when my mother, who when she grew up, gay people were wrong. She, she thought it was wrong. And it really wasn't until she got to meet somebody who was gay that then she changed her point of view. You know, as much as I said that's a wrong point of view, it wasn't until she really came in relationship with somebody and went, that's a pretty neat person. I mean, they, they have a wonderful heart. I mean, I can't believe that God is going to damn them to hell because they're different than me. So it comes out of relationship. Yeah, I've, uh, I've worked with a lot of gay people and, yeah, I've got a few gay friends and gay people are the best. I, I feel like they have a different energy. They have a different, they have a, um, a, a happy, they're always happy. I feel like they're always happy. And not to say that uh, heterosexual people are, are not happy, but I feel like there's just a, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think like they're just happy people. They're just good people to be well, around. Well, yeah. you know, I, at least in the United States, that, that's been a long time coming because for a long time they were in the closet. They had to feel shame and guilt. There were some who, who were married uh, in a heterosexual relationship, even though they guilt. So there was a lot of double life, uh, a lot of torture inside. Thank goodness it's finally gotten better and to be able to have. But it's like any group of people. You know, you don't want to make a canvas that all gay people are artistic. You know, I know gay friends who go, you know, don't I don't like flowers. You know, I, I, I don't like, you know, they say, you know, don't stereotype me because I'm, I'm not that way, you know. And, uh, yeah, it's. So it's it's that we could take each person on a one on one is is really the challenge, right? Yeah, and kind of bringing it back to uh, you, you managed to perform on the Johnny Carson show. Now this is a lot a long time before my before my time, and I I, I just did a bit of research on the on the Carson Carson show, and it was voted I think one of the top ten shows of all time. So. Uh, yeah, what was your experience like on the Johnny Carson show? Well, it was kind of one of these uh, situations back. Uh, they did stump the band where they had people from the audience came. It looked like it was all impromptu, but it was very organized. You auditioned for that. So they knew what the person was going to sing. And if they didn't like it, they wouldn't let them sing. But the idea is I'm sitting in the audience and he says, does somebody have a song uh, to sing for stump the band? And then uh, I raised my hand and he goes right to me. You know, I knew that he's going to choose me. Um, and, and I had an old vaudeville song that I sang. And uh, we did a little banter. It was, it was nice and uh, it was fun. But the funny thing was 20 years later when I'm a minister now and, you know, I'm wearing a suit and tie and I'm in a church and the best of Carson was being shown. And somebody saw me with my polyester suit and my hair split down the middle and they were, you know, they couldn't believe it that I was on the Johnny Carson show. So yeah, I had some experiences uh, 
experiences there, but it um, it was fun. It was fun, and and I was single, but you know, it it uh, it was about my searching, finding, trying to find, and what I want to encourage people: um, try to find that which feeds your soul, feeds your heart. If it's not soul, feed your heart. Um, if you're in a bad job in a negative place where you're always feeling like you dread it or you're around negative people who are always doing drama, find some way to break that. Find some way to do something that, you know, and when you're helping people, when you're doing something that uh, brings joy to others, it comes back to you. Karma is a principle that's in all of our religions. What you put out will come back. And so I would encourage people to, um, to do that for their life. And speaking of principles, are there any other universal principles or religious religious principles that you can that, that come to mind? Well, certainly, I think, and in, in the book, it talks about that sense of um, loving yourself and loving others, um, the, the sense of karma, the golden rule we see is is in all of the religions, and and those are some of those themes that that I play out in that way. So, um, uh, I'll, uh, uh, but that's what I no hope worries. people look for. Okay. All right. Well, uh, look, it's, it's been, uh, we've been going for about 50 minutes now and I think that was a signal to that you've had, that you've got two minutes left. So I'm going to take that as, uh, you have to run, but, uh, is there any closing notes or any finishing notes that you'd like to tell the audience as well or? Where can people find your book? Well, uh, it's on Amazon. They can go to my website, jerryzare.com, um, and they can see the descriptions of both of the books. And I have some of my other um, other things on my website. Um, yeah, so that's probably the best place. And, uh, and, and so they can reach out to me on my website if they want to contact me and have other dialogue with me. The dialogue, no worries. All right, I'm just putting up the website now. I'll just just make sure that it comes up on the screen. Is that yeah, the is. website there, That's Jerry? It. Perfect. Great. All right, there you go, guys. And uh, no worries. Thanks for listening, guys. Please don't forget to subscribe to the Christian Buddy Show on Spotify and on YouTube. You can type it in. You can find it. Enjoy your day, guys. Hope you learned something from this from this uh, podcast. And thank you for your time, Jerry. Thank you. Thank you. All right.